Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picture House podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. Welcome to this special mini episode of the show. This is a little bonus episode between our main monthly review shows because we spoke to a special guest and we want to share it with you right now. On this episode, we are celebrating the release of Infinity Pool, the brand new film from visionary director. Uh, and I say that because, I mean, his films are unique. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Possessor listeners or, or Antiviral, uh, would recommend checking them out. But we are celebrating the new release of visionary director Brandon Cronenberg's brand new film, Infinity Pool, uh, which stars Mia Goff and Alexander Skarsgård and a whole bunch of uh, wonderful people. And uh, Brandon Cronenberg jumped on Zoom to talk to our guest film critic, Elena Lazic, who you did hear on the podcast probably uh, few months ago now a little while ago but elena is a big fan of infinity pool so we thought it best to send her along uh, to have a chat with brandon cronenberg about his new film so the film is in cinemas right now you are going to listen to the chat right now it's not super spoilery or, or anything so i'm totally fine to listen to ahead of time but also if you want to save it go into the film without knowing very much at all pause this podcast right now go to the nearest picture house check out infinity pool and listen to elena and brandon's conversation on the way home. That's about it from me. Please enjoy Elena Lazic talking to Brandon Cronenberg. Mr. James Foster, you'll have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. What? What did you say? for a significant sum. We'll build a gobble to send in for your execution. Hi, Brandon. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. Uh, you? Uh, I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for speaking to me. I'm a big fan of Infinity Pool and of Possessor. Basically, one of the things that really struck me about Infinity Pool compared to Possessor is that it seems to take place in a much more... Um, realistic world a world that resembles our own much more closely um and i was yeah i was wondering about that because it feels like quite a, a distinct decision to make with uh your next film considering possessor i thought took place in such a strange world that seemed to thankfully only exist in the, the movies yeah i mean it wasn't it, it just sort of to be honest made sense for the story you know the film is kind of a bait and switch you know it starts even though it's in this fictional country with an experience that is familiar to some people of, of you know, the all-inclusive resort, you know, it's, it's, it's also a story that we've seen before in film people on vacation, and then there's an accident and something, uh, something goes wrong. They're in trouble in this foreign country from there. The switch is, you know, it's a science fiction, it's a science fiction twist, but it's almost more magic realism in, because it's, it's not predictive science fiction. It's not really a uh, a realistic vision of what cloning technology would be in the future. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's sort of absurd dream logic to it. And so for the story and for the structure, it just made the most sense to have it feel more grounded in real world experiences and then to have this uh, to have that be upended by this moment. Mm -hmm. that makes sense 
I think there's a, we can say, I think safely say that there's a big part of the film that seems to be kind of a, a satire of um, rich people and their lifestyles. I don't think that's the whole movie, but I think it's a big part of it. And it's interesting because we've we've had so much, uh, so many, well, not so many, but quite a few films and even TV shows about this as well. You know, obviously Triangle of Sadness and then the TV show The White Lotus as well, um, but also your film. And so, yeah, I was wondering what brought you to that idea um, of, um, yeah, sort of mocking the rich and the the sort of, um, I guess, class class critique of uh, how you know rich people go on holidays in countries where the locals you know can barely survive yeah i mean it's yeah it's interesting there is a there is a wave of related uh filmmaking and, and television and, and I, I have been getting questions about that because it's you know people see this sort of pattern this and and i think that the temptation is to say these things are coming out because of uh the state of the world right now and and it's true there's a very pronounced economic divide especially coming out of covid people are are really feeling that in particular i think maybe these things are being received the way they're being received because of anxieties and, and anger uh, over the state of the world in the future but of course there's an incredibly long development period in film and television over many years there was no way when i started uh when i started writing this that i could judge the mood of 2023 or or uh, or know that it would be part of this wave of, of related filmmaking thematically that's a centuries old uh you, you mm-hmm. know point of social criticism that that's uh, always been a been a problem uh and and has always been criticized in art so it's not kind of a although it might be having a a, a particular moment we might be looking at it through a particular lens right now it it's a it's an old problem and it's one that's been explored in art for a very long time. Uh, for me, uh, you know, the film started with a, a short story that was just the the first execution scene that didn't really touch on that stuff initially. It was just someone being uh, someone watching a double of himself being executed mm-hmm. uh, in this fictional country, and it was more about identity and punishment, and it, and it was less about that, but. When I decided to expand it into a feature, looking for characters and a setting, and and it developed into something that was more about the way people behave uh, when they're free of conventional social consequences, and that of course lends itself very much to a, a conversation about uh, the you know the, the the grotesque horrors of tourism, where where you know people are treating countries as kind of adult playgrounds, and and uh, and, and there's something. Uh, sort of disturbing to me about that kind of resort culture, but then also the broader uh, discussion of uh, the the economy and, and that kind of uh, class divide. Mm. Uh, you mentioned that you um, it was a, a short story initially, so so you wrote it as a as a short story first, uh, an unfinished short story. Yes. Oh wow! So is that is that your process with films? Do you, do they often start in sort of a literary context and then? you maybe or maybe not develop them into films? Uh, not usually, to be honest. Uh, but there was a there was an eight-year gap between my first film and my second film. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had... I just couldn't get something made. We were, we were trying to make Possessor and we were just hitting all the usual mm. kind of in, indie film problems. We couldn't get financing together and couldn't get cast together. And so uh, I think I started writing 
it as a short story. Uh, I had wanted to write fiction before I got into film and I had sort of given up on it, but uh, years into not being able to get a film made, I just kind of wanted to write something that I had control over that didn't require uh, all the financing that, that could be a complete thing. Um, and I didn't end up finishing it and it did end up becoming a film, but uh, that's sort of why I turned uh, turned to prose writing. Mm -hmm. I see that's interesting. I don't think many uh, there are many filmmakers who do that. So yeah, it's quite unique. But you mentioned having trouble, you know, financing Possessor. Um, and I noticed that uh, this film, um, Infinity Pool, I noticed immediately that it was shot in Croatia because I, I know Croatia very well. Um, and I was wondering if, if that was sort of... Um, a key to even getting the film made because there are loads of film made, made now being you know, in Croatia because I think it seems to be quite a welcoming country to productions. It, was that your experience or did it just, you know, work out that way? I know it's a niche question, but it just really interests me because I really like it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, honestly, the... So it's it's it was shot partly in Hungary and partly in Croatia. It's, it's a Canada, Hungary, Croatia, you know, tripartite co-production. And... Um, you do yeah it's it, it, especially with an indie film you're looking for ways to be able to to shoot on your budget uh hungary attracts a lot of productions because they have a great tax credit there, there's a mechanism where you can shoot in a neighboring country as, as well and still maintain that tax credit and so we needed somewhere uh where that would have this incredible landscape and, and the sort of resort like we, we don't really have an equivalent of of that resort in Canada and, and it so it didn't make sense to shoot here so it was I mean it was part of the financing structure in part that that is one of the reasons we, we went over there because we could get these uh incredible locations and you know that we couldn't find in Canada but it also had a kind of financing structure that uh, in theory could work for for an indie film mm. um although it's harder these days I think it's it's a little to go very you know very micro esoteric conversation that no one's going to care about um, <laughs> it, it I think it's harder these days to shoot as an indie film uh, over there certainly in Hungary because they're now you know all the Marvel stuff yeah. or a lot of Marvel stuff shoots there a lot of you know Warner Brothers stuff shoots there Dunes shoots there we couldn't get equipment because Moon Knight had all of the equipment and so <laughs> <laughs> it's Amazing. not <laughs> it's not at, you know we had to like improvise on a remote head that wasn't the 360 remote head that we wanted because we <laughs> had it in a warehouse somewhere the, the the one that we wanted so um yeah it's not as easy over there as as it may have been for indie films in the past well that's wild maybe canada is going to return to being the the place to make movies <laughs> maybe i mean it's interesting here there is a lot of filmmaking and, and and tv especially but it's all a lot of it's from the u.s it's sort of mm. uh, there's there's big budget stuff that shoots in canada but it is foreign stuff let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars Inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. And you mentioned uh, that it started, uh, the idea of the film started with this, uh, this scene of the first uh, death. And that actually, that's something that I think is really interesting about the movie is that I think it's almost... Um, 
the the satire of the rich is almost uh, not a MacGuffin, but like some. That is, I don't think that's the complete point of the film. Uh, I think it's much more about this sort of annihilation of the self, and uh, a guy who really just really hates himself. And um, <laughs> and I find that that's uh, that's actually a theme that's also in um, Possessor. I, I thought I, I, it was really quite striking to me that both films are very, quite different, but they both talk about this. And yeah, I was wondering what you have to say about that because it's I just find it very very striking and very humane in a way. It makes the films very um, emotional. I mean, again, maybe it's just because I was hating myself as a <laughs> as a writer. You know, it was nearly a decade between my films, so I, I had a lot of time for self-loathing. So, so maybe <laughs> partly that. But I guess, yeah, I guess you know, to me, the the social satire stuff is interesting to an extent, mm. um, but it's also not new. I mean, I like that stuff. You know, I like the the political component, and you know, but it's but that's not. Mm. why I make movies I'm, I'm sort of more, more hooked on uh questions of you know what it is to be a human being and 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 and, and film is a way for me to process uh, my own experiences it, it, it's a sort of framework where I can explore uh, not just the experiences in in my own life but I guess experience in general and, and, and what that is to, to mm. be a person what it is to be some kind of uh, weird entity uh, performing this character in the world and, and how you feel about that and, and so on. So um, yes, now that you've framed them both as self-loathing characters that not only that, but it's, it feels like a big part of <laughs> what what they, this, what's wrong with them. <laughs> right, that might, that's a little alarming, but um, <laughs> but but definitely that's, you know, Hmm. you're right it's not it's not it's not that I don't care about the politics but it's less squarely about that hmm. than uh that's less less squarely interesting to be you know compared to some of these other films like triangles of sadness where that's you know more obviously the point I guess mm -hmm. but it's interesting because I actually think that in the character played by Alexander Skarsgård it's kind of connects the two I think because he he I think Alexander Skarsgård is always cast for um not always, but often he can really do really well playing men who really struggle to play the kind of masculinity that they think they're supposed to play. And because he's he looks the way he does, you know, he looks very, you know, amazing and he's got large shoulders and everything. But he also can can look like such a puppy and a really uh, almost pathetic person. And <laughs> he does this so well in your film. And so I think in, in that character, for me, it seems like he connects the idea of, you know, the political theme of like inequality but also being a person in the world and having all these responsibilities on you but also having no no responsibilities if you decide you can just ignore everyone else and yes yeah, so I was wondering yeah why did you cast him and how was it working with him because he seems like uh, such a risk taker as an actor yeah and that's I mean one of the brilliant things about you know my casting process is uh, very simplistic in a sense because I just want a good actor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> actors who are who are very exciting to me just generally, and, and I want to plug them into a character and and like give them some space to explore that character, and I find that's uh, that process really uh, appealing. Mm. But it's true in this case, he he was particularly interesting for the role because, as you say, he has that contrast in him. You know, he has 
the look and the screen presence and, and is in, in incredible shape and he has that kind of Hollywood leading man quality and he he has done that stuff and he can mm. do it but he's way more interesting than that and he loves to make him he loves to <laughs> contort himself and be ugly and unlikable and and, and do all the other stuff uh, and not a lot of actors can convincingly do both of those things mm. so in this film that was important also because of this kind of you know almost bait and switch structure mm-hmm. where he can begin the film looking uh, like he stepped out of a resort brochure but then evolve into this this kind of uh, this kind of creature mm-hmm. absolutely thank you so much this this has been great and uh, i love the movie and i can't wait to see what you do next i hope you you get to do it as quickly as you did between possessor and and this one and not eight years because that would be a shame I think <laughs> thanks so much. I, I hope so too. But uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Great talking thanks. to you. Lovely.